Hey, hello, what's up, and welcome into this week's episode of the Geek Garage Podcast, where we're going back to the movies. Uh, unfortunately, COVID keeps us from actually going to the movies, so we're not really, the name is a lie, everything is a lie. Uh, but this week, we are excited to be back talking about one of the all-time greats, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which turns 60 this month. 60 is old. David, David, that's old. Your thoughts yes. on that? Um, 60 is old. Indeed. Yes. Um, I mean, not as old as 70 but 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 younger uh wait did i get that right but older than 50 yes god i was trying to man i've really fucked this up like you just passed it off to me for like a simple like yes or no fucking question that's how i feel about basically everything we do on this podcast uh that third voice you heard uh, was that of Miss Shauna Hoyt uh, joining us again because she apparently hates herself? Uh, <laughs> how are you, Shauna? I'm doing well. How are you, Ted? Well, prepare to have that changed. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us again. Uh, apparently, you can't get enough of us for God knows what reason. You are uh, better than that, basically, is what I'm going to go with. Uh, but thank you. Like I said, of course, you were on a couple of previous episodes involving horror movies, episode number 16, which was brilliantly titled horror movies uh and geek garage goes to the movies number 14 where we did a watch long on friday the 13th that was earlier in 2020 before shit got real yeah yeah that was that was back in the glory days when all we had to worry about was teenagers fucking in the woods and making yes. fun of them those halcyon days of a masked killer in the woods right yeah that yeah. sounded better in my head <laughs> well he's fictitious so you know is he uh, I I hope so. I mean, like I did not have Jason Voorhees swinging a ancient machete on my apocalypse bingo card. <laughs> but if I need to add it, add him, I I guess I'll do that. That was actually my free square, so I'm hoping that one comes through for me. Well, fingers crossed for you, buddy. Yeah, Godspeed. Yeah. Uh, as I said, we're here to talk about the movie Psycho. But before that, uh, David is going to grace us, hopefully uh, better than he did the question earlier, uh, <laughs> on some pre-roll, some events, so to speak, coming up. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, but yeah, update on events. There are no events. Uh, I would normally say there are no updates because for a while things were part of the course, but then everything got canceled, like literally. The only thing that has yet to be like postponed or rescheduled is MTAC. So, uh, but we're, we're not holding our breath. We're kind of assuming that one will most likely get postponed until next year, like the rest. And like I said, uh, evil con Momocon, Nashville comic con, it's inaugural year and a Kai con. Those were all scheduled to happen this convention season and they have all been postponed until next year. Um, if you have been listening to the podcast for the last couple of weeks, then of course this is not new news to you, but if you are a new listener or tuning in for the first time in a while, just know that yes, we were scheduled to make appearances at these conventions. They all got postponed until next year, but we are still we do still have plans to attend next year. So yeah, that is, that is a thing. That is correct. Uh, we know you're all heartbroken because we at the heat garage were the sole reason you were going to any of those events. Precisely. Precisely. So yeah, it's, uh, we it's know not you're heartbroken. The, right. It's not the cosplay. It's not getting to talk to all your friends. Nope. It's, it's not the it's not meeting people. Nope. Right. It's not the stellar food. It's from these two the, dipshits the, right here. Yes. It's right. Yeah. Us two bearded losers 
um, with our, our, our buttons and our stupid ass sign. Yeah. Shauna wouldn't have been there because she has self-respect. Uh, moving right <laughs> along, David. <laughs> Uh, a couple other things to look out for comic corner. This is the blog post, the semi-regular blog post that we are starting up here soon um, to debut sometime this month. It's basically Ted and I picking a comic series or comic book, comic book volume uh, one each. And we give it our own like um, plot summary and then kind of go into spoiler territory for people that would like to read about spoilers for that particular comic book. Um, so be on the lookout for that coming up here sometime in the next week or so. Uh, our Facebook group page is still active. If, uh, like I said earlier, if you are a new listener or if you haven't tuned in, in a while, we just started up our Facebook group a couple months ago where it's, it's a little bit different than the Facebook page with the Facebook group. Um, you are, anyone's welcome to join if you haven't already uh, just search for geek garage listeners and fans Facebook group. Um, I think that's the title minus the word Facebook. Anyways, um, <laughs> it's, it's where all the like fun polls and nerdy conversations go down. Um, so, so yeah, if, if you're interested in getting into heated and spirited debates uh, and, and questioning your friends, uh, loyalty to said nerdums or fandoms uh, and making them feel bad for their poor uh, choices, then <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's where it is. Uh, it's, it's all in good fun, yes. um, but that's where it happens. As so. we've said many times before, uh, a good chunk of the fun of being a nerd is telling other people that they're, they're being a nerd incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that's how, that's how to do it. So, um, so yeah, if, if you're interested in joining our Facebook group, feel free to search for it, click the join. Um, there's a couple questions or you can just DM me and I will get you added as soon as possible. Um, we are, our quarter two listener assessments that was going around, it's just a Google Google form that uh, was supposed to end yesterday, which was Sunday, the, uh, what was that, the, the 7th. But we are extending it another week until the 14th um, with, uh, you know, all things considered that's going on in the news. We didn't want to promote it a whole lot. So we're basically just pushing it another week. And uh, and yeah, um, if you take the time to fill it out, uh, I, I think Shauna filled it out. Uh, maybe this one or the previous listener assessment, it takes like five minutes or less. Uh, so, yeah, if you'd like to fill it out, you're entered into a random drawing for a free t-shirt i have uh, uh, uh for shameless self-promotion i have purchased a couple t-shirts from our threadless shop and let me tell you they are damn soft so uh yes i i'd like to say that you would be missing out by taking this uh, assessment but i'd be lying to you so yeah um if you are into giving um strangers or near strangers or close acquaintances money to pursue the things that they enjoy doing. Um, we do have a Patreon account. So yeah, if you'd like to look us up on Patreon, we have tiers starting at $2 and we have all different kinds of perks that uh, come with each tier, like um, getting to choose a, uh, a watch along episode, 
You get a exclusive button and sticker set that only Patreon donors get. You get uh, early access to different content. Um, some pretty cool stuff. It, all the details are listed on our Patreon page or our website. So feel free to go to either and uh, and get more info. But um, yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it for all of our uh, pre-roll content to go over. Ted, you kind of already introduced Shauna a little bit. Uh, stepped on stepped on the notes there. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're you're good. Um, Shauna, uh, thank you so much for for joining us again. Uh, obviously, we haven't scared you away. No way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For having me. We we yes. Thank you for coming back. We are super stoked that you are here for another horror episode i i don't know if we'll be able to get you on any other kind of episode except for when we do horror but honestly i'm i'm cool with that because you always bring your a game oh, uh, Ted and i you. are always excited for for you joining us because it's it's always a good time good spirited conversation and you are we, we were discussing uh sorry <laughs> we were discussing this earlier today that you are kind of sort of pretty much our first three p guest for the podcast meaning Woo-hoo! you're the first yeah you're the yeah. first person to come on the podcast three times um there is like one or two people that kind of sort of meet that criteria but they were they fell short on, yeah they they were on that little mini episode or the episode back a couple months ago where we had like little mini segments. So that's kind of like two and a half episodes. Yeah. So we're counting this as a full fledged fucking three peat guest episode. So awesome. congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> hurrah, hurrah. <laughs> Something to, to be proud of. I think yeah. probably not. No. <laughs> no, Ted's right. Ted's right. Yeah. It's, let's just you know moving right along yes indeed uh but yeah that is it uh let's uh let's hit the music and get this party started yes five four three two one zero all engine running liftoff we have a liftoff So like we said earlier, Psycho has now been out for 60 years. It's celebrating the 60th anniversary of its premiere this June 2020. And there's really precious little that we can say about Psycho that hasn't already been said before by smarter, better people. Uh, it's tame <laughs> by today's standards. I mean, you know, it just is. That doesn't make it any less of a great movie. And even though it's tame by our standards today, it's it's hard to imagine how lurid and shocking this would have been to the average moviegoer in 1960. Um, it endures as a classic of cinema, a juggernaut of a film, and probably Hitchcock's most famous and definitely his most profitable. It wasn't the first thriller or the first horror movie. And like I said, there are more gruesome movies and there are more horrifying movies, but this movie endures regardless of that. Um, it is tremendous i mean there's not really enough that i think any of us could say about it to glorify it it just it is all that and more right absolutely yeah um so with that said obviously we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into it all of our opinions 
all the great things that we like about it and none of the things that are bad because there aren't any. Um, <laughs> should say to start, like I said, a lot of stuff has already been said, so we're not going to be breaking any new ground. Um, but there will be some spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, what are you doing with your life? You have failed miserably somewhere. Um, rectify that and then come back. Or if you're one of those people that hates good things, um, you're in the right place because we're terrible. Uh, but you should still watch the movie because it's it's one of those, it, it's basically canonical. It, it's, it's part of the film canon. Uh, and it's just, I can't imagine being a cinephile or even pseudo cinephile and not being interested in seeing psycho. It's just, it's right. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I like, I, I remember when I first saw this movie and like, I, I'm kind of glad I, I got to see it in the capacity that I did. I saw it in my senior year high school film class and, 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 it was in this kind of situation where we would watch it and then he would like point out things to us. And he would also like kind of pause along the way at, at different, <clears throat> different important moments of the movie and explain things that were worth explaining, but it, it wasn't to the point of like, Oh my God, like just play the fucking movie already. Um, so I'm very appreciative at the capacity that I was able to first watch this movie. Um, Shauna, I know that you have watched especially the older horror movies like this um from like the 50s 60s 70s um you you had the chance to watch them all when you were younger right oh yeah i mean like because two. of your upgrade upbringing and yeah. your dad like yeah. he's a, he's a huge horror movie fan yes um, we, we talked about this a couple times on the podcast <laughs> do you remember how old you were when you saw this i don't remember the first time i feel like the first time i was probably too young to really remember it. Um, but what the, probably the time that I do remember, I was maybe, maybe like nine or 10. Okay. Um, so still pretty young, um, young enough to get scared. And because the twilight zone episodes are pretty much my favorite, um, this kind of lines up with that. So the black and white was right on for me. I'd had it, it, I thought it was perfect. So, but I was pretty young when I saw it for the, at least the first time I remember. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. I, I feel like this, especially with, you know, your, your brush with very um, classic black and white horror movies, um, you know, stuff like creep show and the twilight zone, like you mentioned, I figured you probably got to see this at an early age. Yes. Um, Ted, uh, do you remember when you first saw this? Um, no, not exactly. Um, the first, the first thing about Hitchcock that I remember ever seeing was actually his television show, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yeah. Um, that used to come on like TV land really yeah, yeah. late at night. Um, and I, I used to watch that with my mom back a million years ago. Right. Um, I was super into that as I'm sure most, um, most kids were, you know, that were into like horror and, and thriller stuff right like i was um and then you know tcm turner classic movies was kind of starting up um as i was a kid and that was one of the things that i really kind of gravitated towards so i know they used to play hitchcock movies a lot so i'm sure i saw it at some point probably in that same age range that shauna was talking about probably around 10 or so yeah um you know again i can't i've been hitting the head way too many times to remember for sure but, uh, <laughs> you know it 
to me, we haven't talked about him on the podcast a lot, but to me, Hitchcock is like one of the top, you know, I think Carpenter, John Carpenter said it best where he's just like, you know, all of us new Hollywood brats were basically just copying Hitchcock, you know? Um, I, I just think that he's so cinema is so indebted to his work, you know, his, and not only his, there have definitely been others, but particularly, you know, like thrillers and horror movies are so indebted to Hitchcock's work that like, you have seen a Hitchcock type film, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We were, I remember us talking about this, well, several times, but uh, lately it was just the other day where, you know, we were coming up with talking points for this episode. We were talking about how, like, just like what you said, if you are a lover of like contemporary horror and sci-fi and thriller, like stuff that has been out for the last like 10, 15, 20 years or so, then you going back and like watching Hitchcock, maybe for the first time, it, it should feel very familiar. Uh, just plain and simple. Like just because it has evolved so much, but stayed true to that, like, you know, aping of Hitchcock, like his and his source material, his way of doing things. It's just, it's, um, very much like stood the test of time as uh, great ways to shoot and direct horror movies. Right. If it if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Um, did anyone have the uh, e- either the uh, uh, okay spoilers like or like did anyone have any part of this movie spoiled for them? Like either like who Norman Bates was, the fact that his mom is has been dead the whole time, um, just like Bruce Willis, um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, and any part of the movie was was any of it spoiled for either of you? No, not for me. In fact, um, I remember watching it with my dad, and my dad not explaining any of it. So I had a lot mm. of questions. Um, right. I didn't quite understand why, you know, the person who, um, murdered Marion was dressed like a woman. I, I, you know, I didn't a hundred percent understand the whole deal until I watched it when I was a little bit older. Um, because, and, and, you know, my dad didn't volunteer any information and I didn't ask, I just kind of took it at face value, but I had no heads up. Um, so the shower scene was obviously incredibly terrifying for me. Um, but I had so many questions that really didn't get cleared up for years. So. That's, that's really interesting. And I mean, it makes sense because like, you know, you're a kid, I, I can imagine like having a lot of questions about what's going <laughs> on, but like, even at the end, like, I mean, the, uh, the, the delivery of all the psychological information, like, you know, why he, he dresses like that. Um, the fact that like quote unquote Norman Bates is no longer a thing. You know, it's basically just Norma Bates. Right. Um, just that, that whole divulge of information. Uh, it's, it's kind of crazy to me to think that like, uh, I don't know. It, it's just interesting to hear that. Like after, after all that, like you, you didn't like go back and ask your dad anything. It's, uh, but like I said, I, I maybe I I do the same thing. Maybe I'd be kind of shy to ask questions or just be like, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. D- does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it kept it almost 
like raw and innocent at the same time uh-huh. um, to sure. see it like that because, um, and I saw it, I, I must have seen it a couple of times before I went to college because I remember um, being in a film class and we had to watch um, Vertigo and yeah. which is also a Hitchcock. And mm-hmm. um, we focused on more the score of Vertigo, but um, we did talk about it a lot and the themes. And I ended up re-watching Psycho and had a totally different appreciation. So, right. um, and I feel, I, I mean, I've seen it by, by now, maybe like 20 or 30 times. I mean, just so many. And, um, and I feel like that first time that I can remember watching it was the one where I was just, it was just raw and, and, um, very innocent. Like it almost jaded me later on really getting into it. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's completely understandable. I mean, cause rewatching it the other day, I was like, this movie really is like raw. Like yeah. you said, like it's, yeah. it's got like that really gritty feeling that, um, that a, a lot of like contemporary, like avant-garde, like really artsy fartsy directors, you know, kind of bring to the table with their, their horror movies like it, it kind of i feel like it went hand in hand with like the lighthouse on on a couple different levels uh just i mean and not just because of like the black and white element but mm-hmm. um i don't know just uh ted what about you? you you didn't did you have any parts of this spoiled for you <clears throat> no i don't think so and i think part of that is probably probably excuse me because the three of us are all around the same age and I, I think we all kind of grew up in that era when the internet was a thing but before it was like the thing right and spoilers weren't really as prevalent you had to seek them out you yeah know, um or be incredibly unlucky really you know um, <laughs> right so yeah. i don't recall this movie being spoiled for me i can't imagine it not being spoiled for people now though because right. so much of it is like almost like mimetic where everybody knows like a boy's best friend is his mother. They, they, everybody knows that line. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. that um, there's the end that we'll get to, of course, and and talk a little more about with Norman just staring into the camera, you know, right. uh, So many of those things are like cultural touchstones almost or cinema touchstones almost. So I, I I consider myself lucky in in a lot of ways that I didn't have it spoiled for me because it's so much more effective you know, right. like any other film or any other book or anything that is not spoiled for you. But um, yeah, I, I just couldn't imagine even, even though, you know, I've seen this movie probably two dozen times, like, like uh, Shauna said, it's just like, I, it still hits every time. So right, um, I couldn't imagine hearing about it and being just like, what the fuck? You know, and then trying <laughs> to watch it afterwards. Like that just doesn't even compute. Right. So, so like, I guess I'll ask myself the same question and the answer, I don't know, maybe you guys can help me decide because I really don't know how to, how to answer. So I would say like a little bit of both, like yes and no. Like, so I spent the night at a friend's house, uh, maybe like seventh or eighth grade and like they had a den. I was sleeping there. I woke up in the middle of the night and that was also like their computer room and my my friend's older brother was in there like on the computer and of course this is back in the day like kind of like ted was just saying about the early days of the internet and there's basically a family computer that everyone had to share and and so he was on the computer and he had gus van zant's psycho on tv 
And so I was kind of like watching it to see, uh, try and figure out what it was. And of course I, I didn't, I hadn't seen either version up until that point yet. Cause like I said, I had, didn't see uh, Hitchcock's version until I was in, uh, in high school, but it, it happened to be the shower scene. And I was like, I have no idea what the hell is going on here. And then like the next day, like, I was talking to my friend. I was like, yeah, your brother was watching like this really weird movie where like this chick got stabbed in the shower. He's like, Oh, he was watching psycho. And uh, he was like, what, what, uh, what scene was, uh, was it the shower scene? And I was like, I, I guess. And he was like, let's watch it again. He's like, there's butts in it. And I was <laughs> like, uh, okay. And, uh, and yeah. So if you want to consider like watching Gus Van Zant's, just that that one scene from his version of it before seeing the entirety of Hitchcock's version, then I guess you could say it was spoiled for me. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter because uh, I think kind of like uh, I, I think both of you guys were saying like it's it's so deeply ingrained in culture that by the time you you get around to seeing it if if you haven't if you didn't watch it when you were younger uh then it's kind of so ingrained in like pop culture that you already kind of know what happens so so i i feel like when i was watching it i was like oh yeah like she gets stabbed in the shower but you know a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie i still didn't really know about that was pretty much the only thing that i knew so well even though that's the that's like the main scene you know um there's so much leading up to that that i think is much more horrifying um you know even uh even how norman is literally the last person that you think would be capable of something like that he's such a like a non-threat yeah (laughs) you know he he makes you know, sandwiches and, you know, he stuffs birds and he's so harmless and, and, and all of that. And so I think that's even scarier. So even though you may have seen that, that particular scene, um, I feel like you wouldn't, it wouldn't have necessarily been spoiled because then when you did see it, you got to see the part that's really terrifying. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. There, there is a lot of tension building up until that scene. Yeah that I originally missed out on. So yeah, you, you're right. And I, I think that the tension building is done far better in, um, in Hitchcock's version, obviously. Right. Um, that's, that's one thing that this episode uh, will not be is we're, we're not really going to touch on like comparisons between this and the Gus Van Zandt um, remake or, or reboot or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, but yeah, um, Ted, what uh, what other uh, kind of talking points do we want to hit on? Yeah, well, real quick, I just want to kind of touch on something Shauna said about the character of Norman Bates and, and yeah. Anthony Perkins' portrayal. In the book that this is based on, the character is very different. He's like almost a cliched version of what you would expect in like a rundown hotel like that. <laughs> okay. He's like short and mean and shitty to everybody and... Hitchcock changed it and cast Anthony Perkins who had like, you know, that boyish look and just that all shucks kind of look about him and, um, you know, very, very handsome and, and, and things like that. So 
it really changed the dynamic of the character and it it is it is more terrifying really because he doesn't seem like the person you'd expect exactly like you said so um but once again that's just hitchcock flexing on everybody (laughs) right right. yeah (laughs) yeah he he did do that extremely well yeah um one of the things that i love about this movie is that it's about voyeurism and the film literally starts the first shot is like going through overlooking the city and then going in through the hotel room into the, the window into the hotel room where it like you literally as a viewer become a voyeur through the camera right and that's just foreshadowing the foreshadowing the whole film of course later on um norman looks through the window at mary or looks through the peephole at marion i should say mm-hmm. excuse me um and that's a recurring theme that goes throughout the film and, and a lot of hitchcock's work really i mean he made rear window which is literally about voyeurism right um a lot of that is aided of course by the shot compositions like i said as well as the filming locations a lot of this movie takes place in these really small rooms mm-hmm um starts in the hotel room which is very small the lobby or the um i guess reception area of the office that marion works in is not particularly large uh her boss's office and then cars a lot of this movie is filmed in cars yeah Um, and then of course the hotel itself is is not um or at least the parts of it that we see are not very big well, and that's a really good point because um, as a person who's claustrophobic like myself, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's uncomfortable because I think, um, David, you and I talked about how um, there's, we talked about before, how there's just this like, you, you're so close to the characters. There's this closeness and um, yeah. it's really uncomfortable, especially mm-hmm. when they're doing things that you know are wrong and somehow you're right there and you're witnessing it and there isn't anything you can do about it. And so I think the viewer feels trapped, um, which makes it also incredibly scary because you're seeing it happen and it's happening right there and there is nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah. Like there's a lot of tension building just by creating like physical closeness right. uh, w- between characters like when uh I- I'm-, I'm forgetting the characters names but it's um it's marion's sister and you know marion's lover they they pretend to be the married couple and they they go to check out the uh, the bates motel and it's that particular scene where you know he's like hey you you go and and check out the house and i'm gonna try and distract um norman and so he's like, hey, you got a second to talk? And they are standing ridiculously close <laughs> together. And I like I'm just waiting for like waiting for like a stabby, you stabby or something. Um, but yeah, like it, just scene after scene like that in this movie um just works wonders with like tension building. Um and and exactly like you said, Ted, with everything taking place in such like close quarters like in vehicles small offices small hotel rooms like yeah that's i mean that's just one of the thousand things that hitchcock was known for is just a master of building tension well and even yeah. when when oh sorry ted go ahead no i was just gonna say i mean they called him the master of suspense for a reason you know yeah right, absolutely yeah. right i was just gonna mention um another element of the closeness which um i didn't really I didn't really notice it as much until I was a little bit older and I'd seen the film a couple of times. Um, but the deputy um, or local cop who's, you know, following her, 
um, yeah. around, even when he's following her after stopping her and even right before stopping her, he's so close to her and we see him through her rear view mirror. And uh. it, you know, it's almost like he's practically in the car with her and, you know, he is kind of following her around the town, but it is so unsettling. And mm-hmm. so not only are we looking at Marion driving and feeling that closeness, but then we also have a sheriff right behind us who is, so I feel like we're almost trapped when we're right. when we're watching um her life you know this moment in her life so. right it's 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 a really good like setting the the scene for the viewer like putting them in the position of Marion where she makes this decision to up and run with her boss's uh, or, or her boss's client's money right and and the fe- the the paranoid feelings that come with that, like he just does a great job of like setting the scene to to put you in the place of her, because like you said, you know, with the police officer, like, and does he even like come back ever, like a- after that that part? Like, I don't remember seeing him ever again. I I think did we see him the last time um, at the car dealership? Yeah, as she drives off, he's standing there talking to um, the right. car salesman. Yeah, that's that's the last that I remember of seeing him. I, I can't remember if uh, there's a scene maybe with him and uh, the 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 private detective. No, um, I don't think so. Uh, but but yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, crazy. And I have to say, I did think when I, I remember thinking when I saw the movie uh, for the first time that I can remember that he was going to somehow come back, um, be reintroduced in the movie because he did seem to have such a creepy, critical role um, mm-hmm. that he could come back and that he was going to be the one that was going to be stabbing someone in the shower. Um, right. He doesn't. Um, so it kind of throws you off, but he had such a um, important role. Um, yeah. So I, I thought he was going to have a bigger one at the end, but not the end, but later on. So. Right. Yeah, for sure. And a couple other things that play into the tension um, that maybe you're not as, well, one of one of which at least is not as obvious. The, the first one I'm going to mention that's super obvious is Bernard Herrmann's score, which is just like epic. E- well, yeah, I was going to say just like very eerie from the just from the opening credits, like the soul the soul bass credits start rolling. Oh yeah, and then Bernard Herrmann's score comes in, and immediately you're just like, ugh, like it just kind of <laughs> makes you shiver, and it's like it seems off in some way. Yeah, right. It's just so unsettling. And that's of course before you even get to the iconic like. Shower scene has been <laughs> right. You know, that that musical cue has been aped innumerable times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. His um, did you mention that it, the score was comprised of like one hundred percent string instruments? Like that was the only thing that was used. Um, I'd never really thought about it, but hearing that and then thinking about the score, it's it's pretty obvious that yeah, that's the case. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, Bernard Herman, like hats off, brother. You uh, you fucking killed this. Well, um, he, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I, that's all. Well, I was going to say, he, he was a pretty legendary film composer anyway. And a, a really funny like trivia tidbit about this film is that um, Hitchcock originally envisioned the shower scene 
as being silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Herman was just like, fuck it and scored it anyway. Um, and Hitchcock liked it so much that he ended up doubling Herman's salary for the film because he was like, um, I, I think, I think the famous quote is something like, um, 30 th- or a third of the film is, or, uh, a third of the film's effectiveness at being scary is because of his score. Right. Which is not inaccurate. Right. Absolutely. Um, Shauna, you actually had a, a bunch of really cool trivia that you pasted into the notes um, that I would love to have you um, read over. Um, and I know a couple of them actually have are kind of particular to what we're discussing, or at least parts of the movie that we're currently discussing, like the shower scene and all that. Um, do you, do you want to go over those now? Yeah, sure. So, well, while we're on shower talk, um, mm. slash bathroom talk, <laughs> um, one thing I found very interesting and I guess I didn't, I, I mean, I never thought about it before. Um, but the, um, presentation of a toilet in American film, um, that this was the first American film to show a toilet and to have it flush. Uh, which I found very interesting. Um, because it is pretty interesting. It is. But the way, do you remember the flushing of the toilet, David or Ted? I'm not sure if I uh, so, check out. Yeah, I, I actually, for some reason, remember it kind of clearly. <laughs> I mean, yes, I watched the movie just like, you know, a couple days ago. But like for some reason, it it sticks out in my mind. Maybe maybe because it was like a really gross looking toilet. Uh, but but yeah. Well, and it's it you see you you literally see like the vortex of the water in mm-hmm. the toilet bowl, and I think that kind of goes back to um, when Ted talked about the very voyeuristic themes that are in. Um, psycho and how and and eyes you know an eye and it's sort of the eye of this little vortex in the toilet and um hmm. so even the toilet is almost watching which you know i don't know maybe that's really weird and maybe that's stretching it but in <laughs> my head i the toilet it's, is also watching no so. that's that's definitely interesting i i never <laughs> really thought to to kind of look at it that way but that's definitely an interesting um you know, perspective. <laughs> yeah, that um, the flush, and then later we see that same sort of phenomenon with the shower as everything yes. goes down the drain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I always thought was significant in some way. Like I don't think Hitchcock did anything on accident. You know, no. um, I, I think that like uh, many other directors, he was very, uh, very particular and very deliberate with what he did. So I always assumed. Um, and maybe this is me looking too deeply into it, but I, I always sort of thought that the toilet flushing, um, that, that, you know, vortex, like you said, was just kind of significant, uh, significant in that it's basically Marion's life, like rapidly spiraling down, right. whether yeah. she knows it or not, whether we know it or not really. And to that note, Norman's as well, because that's when yeah. he, we lose Norman and we gain Norma. And, um, so his, his, identity as Norman is also spinning out of control. So I, I totally agree with that. Um, and, and yes, Hitchcock doesn't make mistakes. And I think things that he did and de- were very, very deliberate. We just may not understand it all. So, yeah. but so the toilet, this glorified toilet, um, uh-huh. 
I, you know, I thought that that was interesting. I, I didn't know that toilets were such a big deal on film. Um, well, the, I mean, again, consider the time that this film came out and um, things were a lot more conservative right. in, in the sense of, um, in, in the true sense, not a political sense. Um, I, I think it was just shortly before this that, like, you couldn't show a married couple in bed. Uh, I, I know on uh, I Love Lucy, you know, Ricky Ricky and Lucy have separate beds, even though they're married and they have a child, you know, right. so <laughs> right. beds, um, because it was just like, you know, scandalous. Right. Um, it was just a different time, really. Right. Wasn't wasn't Bert and Ernie the first, like, quote unquote, couple the, uh, to be portrayed in bed together on TV? Uh, that I do not know. Uh, for some reason, I, I thought I remember hearing that as like just a, a pop culture trivia factoid. I could be wrong, but I feel like it's it's that. Maybe that or I Love Lucy. Um, but I know that, you know, the toilet we talked about, obviously all the stuff with, with um, you know, uh, Norman and Norma. Uh, this movie, Hitchcock, was just like, fuck it, and just pushed the envelope as far as he could. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, it, it's insane in a way that this movie is as, or was as popular as it was. Um, like I said, this is Hitchcock's most profitable film. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think just like how shocking this would have been, like I said, to the average moviegoer in 1960. So it's it's almost, it's, it's kind of crazy to me in a way that it was so popular and so profitable because of how shocking it was or must have been. Right. Yeah, like, it, it, didn't it get, like, a, a theatrical re-release, like, several years later down the road? Like, I think in maybe 68, and, and it made even more money then? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about that. I do know that back in, in for a long time, uh, before VHS, really, um, films had much longer theatrical runs. Mm-hmm. So this, this could have been in theaters for, like, a year, you know? Oh, wow. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I do know, speaking of re-releases, that um, assuming that theaters are back open, this is supposed to have a 60th anniversary showing uh, in November, October, November, I believe it is, which I was very excited about and, and still would like to see happen. But Yeah, you know, that would be great yeah. if we could, you know, have theaters like be open by then. That would be most excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Hitchcock pushing the envelope, that's one of the reasons that the studio was like no <laughs> we don't want to we don't want to do this because you know it was shocking to them too um he's coming off north by northwest uh, which released that was the the movie he released previous to this if mm-hmm. i recall correctly um which is like a spy thriller you know um right. then he comes in he's like i want to make this movie about a dude who kills women and the studio was like what the fuck man no this, it's not the 70s yet we can't do that um and so to get it to get it financed he was like i'll put the money up but I want the back end. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it was something like sixty percent of the film's profits is what uh, he said he wanted to to direct it. Yeah, and it was a decent the studio chunk. was like, "Well, this is going to be a giant disaster. Sure, knock yourself out." And of course, <laughs> it made, you know, it went gangbusters. So uh, Hitchcock made a fortune off of it. Yeah, he also like had uh, he could be considered like a pioneer in like early movie marketing because the marketing for this movie. Um, was stupendous. Oh, uh, exactly. 
like the the fact that he would not let people show up late to the movie like you had to be in your seat by the time the the projector started the movie um so you couldn't walk in late you couldn't i don't know if there were in intermissions or anything but you couldn't walk in the side door like with a, a brand new ticket um to go in and watch it you know halfway through uh you like there was very strict rules that he put in place and and he like apparently went to like every single theater operator and owner and made them swear like on on death of their uh their own death that like <laughs> they would not let anyone in after the movie started because he didn't want anyone or he didn't want the, the, the reveal spoiled because it happened so soon in the movie. It's, I mean, it's basically within still within the first, like first act of the movie, basically, um, you know, at least at the ass end of the first act. Um, and, and there's just, you know, several other pieces, uh, of, of marketing trivia for this movie that are just, um, super interesting. Yeah, um, definitely agreed with the marketing and even the tagline of like, um, we won't, the theaters won't let you in late, but you'll never want to leave after seeing Mm -hmm. it. Right. Um, That's great. Yeah. And I I think he had like cardboard cutouts of himself, like life-size cardboard cutouts, like in the theater with like a a pocket watch or something like that, where uh, to like remind people to like hurry up, get your fucking raisinets and get your ass in the seat. So you don't miss the movie. Um, just crazy shit like that. But I mean, it makes sense. The extreme length that he went to because of all the extreme lengths he went to during, uh, or before and during the, the filming of the movie, like he, he bought like all the copies of psycho, the book, so that uh, like right when the book came out, like the book had just been released, like on bookshelves and he, he purchased the rights. He bought all the copies because he knew like right then and there, he wanted to make a movie out of it. Um, and he knew that he wanted like the, that big reveal to be pretty similar to the book. And he didn't want that surprise spoiled for everyone. So he like bought all the copies of the book so it could be spoiled for everyone. And that just like, um, I think that's one of the the little pieces of trivia that just blows my mind the most completely crazy dedication. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of, I don't want to say it's passe now, but it's been done a lot um, mm-hmm. in, the, in the ensuing 60 years, but like killing your star an hour into the film is that was like, that's a no, no. Right, yeah. that had, right. That had to be insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. don't forget. I mean, Hitchcock, he knew his audience. He knew his films. He knew his audience. He knew his actors. Um, and only Hitchcock could, could fill Hitchcock's shoes. So he, and he, I, I truly believe that because he doesn't make accidents uh, or, or make mistakes in his films, um, he he was a control freak. And I think he wanted to control every aspect of that experience. And he was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got to give him credit. I mean, his, his the arrogance or the forethought or whatever you want to call it, um, it, it worked. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I agree 100% with the, the control freak aspect. Um, he's pretty infamous for that. Um, that's one of the reasons that he filmed this with a lot of the a lot of TV crew, predominantly who had worked on his show, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that's also because of the budget. You know, he couldn't afford uh, a big fancy film crew, so he had a TV crew come in, basically a bunch of ringers instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, he didn't give the whole script to everyone. Like he, didn't, right. he didn't even let anyone know the end until they filmed it. Yeah. You know, so, um, but again, that's because, like you said, he went, he went to such great lengths to make sure that it wasn't ruined. That, this was um, also, I don't, I don't know if it was the first movie that had this sort of marketing campaign, but it's the first one that I'm aware of that did so, um, where he was like, don't spoil the movie for other people. Right. Yeah. You know, that makes you a shitty person. And it does. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, ex- right. Um, I so I I think it, both of you guys haven't seen the movie Hitchcock, correct? The one that came out in 2012 that had Anthony Hopkins and Helen Mirren. Right. No. Uh, no, I have not. Okay. Uh, so if uh, for you guys and anyone else uh, listening, all three of you, um, <laughs> if, if you uh, if you want to learn a lot more about like the trivia in like movie form go go watch hitchcock it's i mean you'd have to you know pay for the rental or whatever but it is available on amazon prime um anthony hopkins does a fucking bang up job as um as alfred hitchcock and and of course helen Mirren just fucking kills it as well but uh they 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 bring up a lot of the really popular movie trivia behind psycho into into this this biopic um one of my favorites is like the the shower scene like the the shots of marion crane screaming uh that was actually hitchcock like like play trying to stab her with with a knife like obviously when it cuts to um cuts to anthony perkins character that's still him but you know her reaction shots are are actually alfred hitchcock because like he tells the camera crew to keep rolling because he's not getting the reaction out of her that he wants like that you know freaking out in the shower so she's not really ready uh to to start filming yet they don't know that they're rolling and he rips the shower curtain and just like you know starts to act like he's actually going to stab her to get that freaking out reaction. And um, yeah, that's, that's just one of like the, the many little trivia factoids that you get in this really cool biopic. So I, I definitely suggest it um, if you're a, a Hitchcock fan or a psycho fan or both. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely great. All right. What, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, uh, so much. Um do you want to go? Uh, do you want to talk about performances, or do you want to talk about scenes first? Um, scenes. Scenes. Yeah, for two hundred. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, Shauna, you chose, so uh, take it away. <laughs> okay. So, just any old scene, or I mean, whichever one you want. I mean, I feel like we have to talk about the shower scene, but that's obvious. Right. Um, so if there's something else, like there's a couple of different scenes I want to talk about. Um, 
that among them, of course, but if, if you know, you brought it up, so I'm, I'm guessing you probably had one in mind as well. <laughs> Could talk about where uh, the private investigator falls down the stairs. The, the... Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we we already threw out the spoiler alert. Did we? So... <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're safe. We're not breaking the laws here. We're good. Yeah. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I guess my favorite scene um, is really when Marion is at the car dealership. Um, really? And she, yes. And she's trading in her car. And um, if anyone has ever been to a dealership, um, even a, whether it's a used car dealership or not, and you're, you're getting a new car. Um, I mean, it was so incredibly awkward that scene. Oh yeah. Um, I thought the car dealer was just going to pull the plug on the whole thing um, she was incredibly nervous. Um, she, I think, which was probably unusual at that time, but a woman who literally walks in and says, this is the car I want. I'm selling you my old car. The proper paperwork is in the glove compartment. I'll give you cash for the difference. Um, <laughs> I cannot imagine that happened very often in yeah. 1960. Yeah, just like within the first like three minutes there's like a billion red flags <laughs> right yeah and i mean it you can tell that the character is written to be like taken aback by this because right. he's just like almost begging her to like haggle oh yeah right yeah, yeah. Like, you know haggle. Uh, normally it's the this is the first time i've ever had a client try and rush me out of here you know yeah exactly um, yep and, and he's he got that kind of aw shucks good old boy yeah. about him yeah. And he has no idea that like he's dealing with somebody who just stole $40,000. Know? <laughs> well, absolutely. Right. And I think his character, um, you know, he starts off in this like typical used car salesman fashion, like, oh, hello, I'm going to, you know, try to sell this woman a car, take advantage of her, whatever. Um, right. And it's almost like at the end of the scene, you feel sorry for him and he almost seems violated, like as if there was some sort of an assault on him. Um, and I just find it really interesting and really unsettling. Um, and then it's made just compounded by, um, you know, the sheriff or the deputy showing up um, right. and, and sort of confirming his uneasiness or validating it. Um, but that just their interaction is so uncomfortable and there's no way that that ever happened. We, it wouldn't happen in today's time, let alone oh, yeah. in the 60s. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I've never looked at it at, from that perspective before, um, Shauna, a, a couple of things that you were saying, but I will agree and echo like that entire scene could be the most uncomfortable moment or scene in this entire movie. <laughs> like it I, is I so, so uncomfortable. It is. Yeah. For, for everybody. Just, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> right yeah for us the viewers for the characters in the movie just like it's so rushed and like every time he tries to like you know get her to he, he's not even necessarily like prying like like i'm on to you like i know you're up to no good like he's like i i mean maybe you guys got that vibe but i didn't even really pick up on any kind of vibes like that that he he might have had uh you know he it seemed like kind of like what you said, Ted and Shauna, like he was just 
just plain old simply taken aback. Like he doesn't know what the hell is going on because this has never happened before. He's never had someone come in and offer to pay full price for a car. Um, so so yeah, it's just that whole scene so incredibly fucking awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think Shauna raised an interesting point where she said, you know, keep in mind this is a, a woman in 1960 doing this, which yeah would have been unheard of. So I think that took him aback. He was probably thinking maybe not take advantage of her necessarily, but thinking, oh, well, she's going to come and look at the car and then she's going to have to get her husband out here. <laughs> right. Right. Um, not saying that's right. Just saying that that's very much how it was in 1960. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that's how things were done. We're just reporting the news to you folks. We're not, <laughs> we're not to... offering a judgment. I'm just saying. No, we yes. have history. No, no. Yeah. yeah. But I'm and, ashamed and... of my ancestors. <laughs> As All right. You reel be. it in there. White guilt. <laughs> But, you know, and the scene, the scene is lengthy. I mean, it's not this, you know, the transaction happens quickly, you know, putting it in perspective, but it's a long scene and it, it's, it's so you want it to be over, but, but not. And it's just, I I don't know. So that, that one always really bothered me um, in a good way, but uh it's, it's it's very effective and even when she goes into the to the restroom you're like oh my god we're gonna get a moment of respite but right. no you don't because she immediately like looks into the mirror and then it's just like oh i'm a dirty person you know <laughs> like, yeah. and then she's counting the money and it's like oh it's it's gross here too you know it's just, yep. there's no you, you don't get a breath during that scene really yeah right yeah, I read uh, one other um, interesting trivia factoid is that when we're first introduced to Marion, she's wearing white lingerie. Okay. And then the next time we see her, you know, down in her, uh, you know, her her dirty bits, she's got, you know, black lingerie. And that's supposed to like, you know, uh, symbolize like, I guess turning to the dark side or, or yeah. deciding to take that step into the, you know, the realm of, you know, being an, an outlaw. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a very interesting choice of aesthetics. And if you uh, pay attention, her car goes the up the other way. She trades in her black car for a yeah. white car to appear yeah. more innocent. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So yeah. outside versus what's going yeah. on on the inside. Um, but she she's a fallen woman. I mean, at this point, and uh, she made her choices, and she goes all in. Like this is, yep. you know, this is what I'm doing. Um, without really looking back, you know, until later. Yep. Yeah. Ted, do you have a a, a favorite scene or a couple scenes from the movie? Uh, yeah, a couple of them. Um, and like I said, we'll definitely get to the shower scene. I feel like we all have a lot to say about that even more than we already have, but, um, some other maybe less appreciated scenes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is a very simple one. It's when Marion goes to check into the hotel. Um, and as she's checking in, you can almost see, um, Norman Bates kind of deciding what he's going to do. Um, if you look, if you pay attention as he goes to get her room key, he goes for just a random room, like yeah. number 10 or something. I can't remember what key it is actually, but it's a room that that you assume is safe because it's not right next to the office. Right. And then when she lies and says um, she's from Los Angeles, he goes and grabs the number one key. Right, right. Like she committed, like she failed his test or something. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's almost kind of what it seemed like exactly. Um, and it's just a great like. At the time, viewing it for the first time, you don't really understand that. You just think, oh, it's easy. he's thinking, oh, why the fuck would I put a way down here and number one's open? And then as you watch the movie and it all comes together, you're like, oh, shit. That's the moment it started. Right. Right. Yep. Um, so I always like that one. Uh, there's a quick... This is more of a, a line, I guess, than a scene itself. But when you first hear the voice... <clears throat> excuse me. You first hear the voice of Mrs. Bates, or what we think is Mrs. Bates... It's very, very masculine. It's very deep. And then the very next line she speaks is is down to that more feminine, higher-pitched voice. Um, so it's almost like a little Easter egg or, or foreshadowing that it's Norman. Right. You know, I, uh, I just actually caught that on this most recent watch that I did a couple of days ago. Um, well, and that's a good point um, because one of the factoids that, that we had here was that Hitchcock chose and used three different actresses to create Norma, Bo- Norma Bates. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted the perfect voice for each scene and one woman couldn't do it. Right. So um, that says a lot too, because that means that he intended the voice to be different. That was very intentional and, um, and important to him enough to hire three very different you know, voice act or voice actresses. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'd have to go back and check, but I believe on the opening credits, only one woman is listed as Norma Bates. Oh, really? I think so. Um, I, I believe I, I can't remember the actress that's credited as Norma, but I believe there is an actress that is credited as playing her in the, in, in the opening credits. Like I said, I have to go back and double check, but I believe that's correct. Um, three more quick ones um the abergast death scene where um norman rushes it just like bum rushes him is fucking horrifying yeah that Um, that point of view shot from from up above like the camera is like shooting down from the ceiling yeah it's so disturbing it is and like it's it's made even more terrifying by the fact that norman rushes out in such a weird like gangly way yes (laughs) Yeah, it, it doesn't do anyone any favors how he's, you know, just very lanky and, you know, very tall and just very spindly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the look of like shock as, as Abergast, you know, falls back. Um, yeah. And we can make fun of like how he looks falling back. It was this, it was 1960. You got what you got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. Product of its time. Yeah. Uh, I, that That's like even just thinking about it i have like a chill um uh, yeah same the uh the reveal scene where uh the sister crane goes down and and of course the corpse spins around and she's like Wah! you know right, right. Um, and and norman rushes in is just like that look on his face and the way he says i'm norma uh-huh. and that shriek is like so unsettling yeah um, so I almost kind of want to take it back when I said there are movies that were scarier than this, because even thinking about it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this movie is like deeply unsettling. It really is. <laughs> in in yeah. a way that a lot of horror movies, like they just don't ever reach that plane. Yeah. Like I remember watching this uh, the other day and like I, Ted, I texted you and I was like, this movie fucking owns like, yeah. Uh, it, it knocks. yeah like I, I, I didn't tell you that I had just watched the shower scene, but that was the scene that I just watched 
when I texted you that and you were like, uh, duh. And I was, and then like the very next night you watched it and you like texted me at that exact same moment where you were like, dude, this movie owns fucking every other horror yeah. movie in existence. It's just like, you know, like I said, there's a reason that it still gets talked about 60 years later. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, one more and then I'll turn it over. I'm talking too much, but um, the very end scene, um, with Anthony Perkins just kind of staring into the camera. Yeah. There's a split second. I'm convinced of this. I'll, I'll go to my grave believing this, but I'm convinced there's a split second where they superimpose the corpse's face over his. Uh, they did, didn't they? I I looked and I couldn't see it or find anything. I didn't look that hard. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I... I but remember I'm, I'm certain that they that just for a couple of seconds they have that. Yeah, it is not very long. It, it's maybe it's le- it's got to be less than a second, but yeah, it's there. Um uh it didn't did you watch the the version the the Amazon the where you can rent it on Amazon Prime? Yeah. How you okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I was like I re- I had remembered that from the last time I watched it maybe a couple years ago and and I was like I was like, did I remember that right? Was that a thing? And and yeah, like I, I remember seeing, like you said, the uh, her her skull like superimposed on his face for just a, a split second. Um, and then that following scene, um, uh, on, well, uh, Ted, I'll, I'll let you finish up if you had anything else to say. Uh, no, I was just going to say that, you know, I, I remembered that it ends with the close up of him and it's got the voiceover of, of Norma saying, oh, well, they'll never believe it was me. They'll look and say, oh, well, she wouldn't even hurt a little fly. Right. Um, which is creepy enough. And then like, I was only sort of halfway paying attention. I was like taking notes and I, I looked up just at the right time. And I was like, oh my God, fuck this movie so hard. <laughs> 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 just, you know, it catches you off guard. Yeah. Um, which is is a is a good reaction, really. I mean, it's a, yes. a thriller. It's a horror movie. That's what you want, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a classic for a reason. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, I'll echo like all those scenes that you you all have mentioned. Um, they're all fantastic, and I, I don't want to reiterate anything because um, it'd just be wasting time. And you guys already said them um, fantastically enough. Uh, so uh, just going in in progression from Ted, the the scene that you just mentioned, the the very last scene, which isn't very long, it's just a you know a couple second cut of them pulling. I guess it's the police or maybe a tow truck or whatever. You, you don't know who it is pulling marion's car out of the the tar pits or whatever like and the score just the mix of everything like the score the the scene itself the fact that it's not very long and the fact how it actually says like the end in the bottom left hand corner like is just in my opinion a perfect way to end the movie like I, I just I I can't even explain why. It's just a great fucking scene to to end the movie with, like just pulling the car out of the tar pits. Like it's it's almost like uh, not having to force your viewers to to go through that emotional moment where, like you know your your family members uh have to bear witness to you know 
Marion's corpse being found or, or whatever. Uh, so it's kind of leaving that to the imagination. Um, so I, I think that kind of plays into why I, I like that so much and how they didn't really make it part of the movie, like discovering her, you know, her remains. Um, so yeah, that, that scene's awesome. Um, I guess we can kind of uh, segue into the shower scene now. Um, I mean, I, I know I talked about a couple of, couple of other scenes, um, here and there, but sorry, Ted, what were you going to say? I, I was just going to say, uh, one thing that the final shot always represented to me is like, you see that white car coming up and all the muck and swamp shit falling off of it. Right. And it's almost like, okay, now the truth is coming out. Now all the secrets have been revealed or are being revealed. Um, right. And it's just like, did we learn anything? Yes. Did we want to? No, not especially. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and it comes right after we've spent, I mean, it's so uncomfortable to sit there and, and watch and stare at Norman. Um, we, wa- we watch him. We watch him watching us for like, what, 30 seconds? It's a seconds. long time. <laughs> it's a while. And that is, you know, if you've ever played the staring game with somebody like mm-hmm. whoever looks away first or blinks or whatever. I mean, or that's laughs. what it almost, right, or laughs. That's what it almost feels like. Like we have this really intimate moment with this completely psychotic person, hence psycho. And like, and then, and then we go to the car and it's the, I, I feel like as a, as a viewer, um, you're so unraveled and like emotionally just thrown around at that point. And then yeah. we finally have some sort of closure, but it's still not enough because they're not going to find her. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it, th- there's still so many questions that are unanswered. So. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, I think, do you want to talk about the shower scene now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, yeah, talk let's about do it. Yes. Jump into it. We've teased long enough. Yes. Um, I mean, I think it's understating it to say that it's fucking horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a, a funny but not funny piece of trivia about this is that um, Janet Lee, who played Marion, the famous scream queen, of course, she said that, you know, when we filmed it at first, it didn't really bother me. And then she said, when I watched it with the score, it like deeply affected me. And she never took anything but baths after that. Yeah. Like for the day she died, she never took another shower. It was always baths. Yeah, I, I did read that. And that's some powerful shit. And, and I can say um, now I'm, I'm uh, an actual giant and I'm in my 30s. And for the last probably 20 plus years that I've seen this movie... Every time I go into a bathroom, I open the shower curtain. <laughs> That's <laughs> the God's honest truth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, you're you're the most vulnerable. Wait, I mean, you're you're literally naked in the shower. I mean, you're, right. you're you couldn't be more exposed, really. Um, and that's when it happens. I mean, it's it's it, it's horrifying, and it's something we all do. Most of us do. Um, so we can relate to it, right? Taking a shower. Um, right. And just to have that kind of horror happen um, when you're vulnerable, when you're trying to get clean, when you're trying to, uh, you know, when you're at your most exposed is the most violating thing, really. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think a good place to start 
is is the beginning where we see the door open and Ted and I, I, I uh, we were, you know, talking about this the other day as like just <laughs> the most fantastic way to like start this whole sequence and how fucking horrifying it is to like have have Marion like facing us or basically like facing the shower wall. Right. Um, so her her back is completely turned and then we see the door open and a figure standing there and we're just like oh my god <laughs> yeah it's just like so unsettling yeah <laughs> well again the the viewer is seeing the entire thing happen knows what's going to happen because what else could happen when mm. a shadowy figure comes exactly. into your nothing hotel good room comes out of that nothing good yeah. right definitely and there's nothing we can do we're right there we're in the shower with her and there's nothing we can do Mm-hmm. And it's just at this time you don't know who it is. I mean, I I think that a, a pretty educated guess would be, oh, it's Norman. Who the fuck else could it be? But I mean, <laughs> you you know, you talked about it earlier. Could it be that sheriff? He was creepy, right? You know, could it be any number of random townspeople? You know, um, could it be the used car guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's just it's deeply unsettling. The fact that we don't really know who it is is worse of course but it's just to me the thing that makes the scene so great is that it doesn't give anything away it's all the power of suggestion right right there's one split second shot that you see the knife actually pierce flesh other than that you don't see that happen it's not it's not it's not gruesome like a lot of modern horror films are where it's just like right more blood more guts more gore right torture porn Right. That's not scary. That's just gross. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I like a lot of movies like that. I'm not trying to say that they're not effective. I'm just saying and from a horror perspective, blood isn't scary. Right. 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 Or, or th- just there being blood isn't scary. This is so this is so effective because it's just the power of suggestion. All you have is the atonal shrieking chords, Marion shrieking. The flashes of the knife, her struggling and failing because what she, I mean, what's she going to do? She's soaking wet in the shower, nude, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I think it almost makes it worse that you don't see any, you know, no pun intended penetration. Right. Yeah. It, it because it's just like you know what's happening and and your brain knows it's happening, but you can't see it, which in, in some ways, like I said, just kind of makes it even more uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we were talking about earlier how they use chocolate syrup instead of, um, like fake blood, because what you said, Ted, it it just shows up better in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it looks better than stage blood, uh, in black and white. A lot of movies have done this. A lot of black and white films, of course, have done this. I think Raging Bull is probably the most famous one where, uh, Scorsese used chocolate, a lot of Hershey syrup in that (laughs) film. Yeah. Um, but it just, it looks better. It's got a thicker consistency. It shows up in a more stark contrast. So the darker color of the brown shows up. Right. Better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, that's, that's something that, uh, I wouldn't even have even uh, thought of like in, in the filmmaking world. Like it, it seems like one of those things where you just have to learn the hard way where you like go and make some fake blood and then you go and fill the scene, film the scene. And then you're looking at the dailies that later that night and you're like, 
this fake blood looks like shit. Like I worked really hard on that red corn syrup. <laughs> and then you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, uh, like, Oh, Oh, well, the, it's just not contrasty enough. What are we going to do? And like, then just cut to the next day, like making a trip to Kroger, like buying all the Hershey's syrup that you can find. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's just a uh, look inside my fucking dumbass brain. <laughs> Ted's like he's silent because he's like again this is this is why we don't hang out very often but you know the other thing about uh that I'll move on from that the other thing about that (laughs) the shower scene when we when we see Marion um getting murdered is when we do see that it's a woman right right um I mean how like how taken aback must the audience have been at that point? Because what woman, especially an older woman, kills another woman? I mean, what? Mm-hmm. That blows my mind too, because we assume it's a man who's going to break into a hotel room and kill someone in the shower. Why would a woman right. do that? Um, so that makes it even worse and scarier because man, I mean, you talk about I'm vulnerable and now I'm being murdered by an older woman. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, no one's safe. Right. Yeah. I figure, I, I feel like logically you should be able to put together, like put, put two and two together and be like, Oh, it, I mean, it, it seems like it's, if it's going to be anyone, if it has to be a woman, it has to be Norma. It has to be Norman Bates's mom. Um, Mm -hmm. because we see her at the very beginning, uh, or when, when not at the beginning of the movie, when, when she pulls up to the hotel and she's looking for someone. And I, I think she sees, you know, a, a, a female figure, you know, walk across the silhouette in the window. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then of course we hear, uh, uh, the conversation between Norman and Marion, he mentions, you know, his mother several times. So she's aware that his mother is, is there. She's in the picture. She's living in the house. Um, but at the same time, we don't, like I didn't consider her being the, uh, you know, the murderer as an option because I think we're all too busy as an audience freaking the fuck out that like basically the main character of the movie just died like 48 minutes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she got stabbed in the shower that she got stabbed. Um, very little blood was shown. Um, and just a, a culmination of all those things plus more, uh, that we shouldn't really be able to pick up on logical things. Maybe, maybe I'm alone, but no, I mean, I, mean, I, I think it makes sense where it's, it's kind of hard to process anything like rationally yeah. after having just witnessed that, you know, yeah. like you see that. And I mean, I, I agree. I think you and Sean both hit the nail on the head where it's like, then you see a person in a dress walking out and it, you know, all indications are that it's Norma. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, it's, it's so much more insane. You know? Oh yeah. 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 Like what she doesn't seem to be up until that point, or even at that point, a viable option for the killer. You know, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't have considered her in the running. Um, and then she is, you know, yeah. sort of, sort of, uh, um, we, uh, I mean, just a second ago, we were talking about contrast, uh, but contrast of another sort, uh, you know, up until this 
this scene in this movie, you know, uh, most of the scenes have been kind of filmed like just from one single camera angle and, and we have the, the camera kind of move with the people, you know, sometimes we get, you know, cuts from camera A to camera B or whatever, um, you know, during, you know, 180 conversations. But for the most part, we just have like a, a wide angle, like, you know, shot between two or more characters conversing. And then we get the stark contrast of this scene where it is very, very quick cuts, comparatively speaking, back and forth between the uh, the the stabber and and Marion's character or Marion, where you know it's just and it's back and forth, and you know between that and the e e e like the score, um, it's just uh, I don't I I think that is. Uh, a huge key player in in what makes the movie and this particular scene so horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll agree hundred percent. the The POV shots of the killer are like truly gruesome, yeah. despite you know their relative lack of gore. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of POV, uh, one of the little trivia facts that I had down that I thought was really interesting. I mean, other people might be like, Oh, okay, whatever. But like me as like, I'm not going to call myself a filmmaker because I'm not, I, you know, have dabbled in consumer level photography, but what, uh, what I thought was interesting was Hitchcock had a six foot in diameter shower head made or constructed for this scene i'm not exactly sure if it's in all scenes of uh, or all parts of the shower scene but he made it especially for the point of view shot of her like her looking up at into the shower head so you know if you were in the shower and you were to look straight into the water um he had to build it six feet in diameter because when the water shoots out of it he needed the water to fully encompass the shot of uh, the, the frame of the shot but at the same time it couldn't get any water on the lens uh, mm. or, or on the camera uh so uh he the the spray had to be large enough to to accomplish both of those things i just thought that was really interesting yeah that is interesting and yeah, and i go ahead there's a couple of little neat cinematography tricks like that yeah um, one that i was always really fond of is that he had the he had the camera outfitted with um it was a 35 millimeter camera i'm, I'm assuming uh, and he had it fitted with a 50 millimeter lens. And the hmm. reason for that is it ties back into that theme of voyeurism because this movie doesn't really look like any other movie in that it looks like how you would see things through your eyes. Right. The, right. the reason he picked the 50 millimeter lens is because it's That's the closest the, approximation to the human eye. To, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I mean, the 50 millimeter lens is is probably my favorite lens that I've ever shot with. Like a lot of portrait photographers like to shoot with um, especially like shooting scenes like this. Um, you know, you you want to use a zoom lens so you can like back up a little bit and get in tight and, you know, you can have that bokeh blurred background effect. Um, but like having that 50 millimeter lens, Ted 
like you said that that's exactly right like 50 millimeters is supposed to be like true to to your eye and what you see with, with very little distortion um so yeah that that is really interesting to you know accomplish that that look and feel of a movie just by you know picking the kind of lens to use uh any other any other sh- <laughs> Uh, any other <laughs> on the shower scene or any other scenes? Um, I think I've, I've talked uh, just about all that I can talk on, on this particular scene. Um, it's fucking phenomenal. It, it holds up like a boss. <laughs> um, but Shauna, any, any other thoughts on this particular scene or any others? Uh, no. Well, the only, the only other thing I wanted to talk about with the shower scene just briefly is, um, another, another really unsettling piece of it is that we don't, when we see the killer, um, and we see that it's a woman and we're thinking, okay, could this, obviously this is Norma. Could this be Norma or somebody else? Um, I struggled to find, and I still struggle, even though I've seen the movie a million times, um, the motive, you know, when, when you first see her, why, I mean, what could she possibly, what could possibly be her motive for murdering Marion in this way? Um, you know, and you, and, and you think, could it be the money? Probably not. Um, is it a jealousy thing? Um, is she just crazy? And I think that that's what makes it so powerful is, uh, that there's no real motive at that right. point. Yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, that is that's a, a very good point. And it's not really one that is put together until the very end when, right. you know, just that big divulgent, uh, you know, thing of information where, you know, he kind of breaks down like, yeah, he was, um, uh, he became jealous of, uh, of his, his mom when she, she found a, a male suitor and they started dating. And so he was kind of cast aside, um, uh, comparatively speaking to you know their previous relationship and um and so he you know uh, he felt so much remorse from his his actions to um to murder her that you know she basically comes back in you know in the form of uh you know a split personality it's uh right yeah super crazy to think about yeah what else <laughs> um I, the only other two things I really had were I wanted to just mention, uh, and this is just notes. This isn't anything that we have to leave in the podcast, but the only other two things I really had to talk about were Anthony Perkins just fucking crushing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then just kind of some of the other themes that we didn't cover as much. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know if, if y'all had anything else that you wanted to go on with or, or what. Um, no, we can, we can touch on, um, touch on that stuff okay cool um so let's talk about how anthony perkins just fucking crushes this role yeah. yes let's because he yeah does. yes he crushes the role um i i read that um both him and i th- i think it was um who's the the actress that plays marion 
um, uh, Janet, Janet Lee. Lee. Yeah, thank you. Um, that they they were basically typecasted for the most part for for the rest of their careers, but like till till the end of their days, they didn't mind because of the cultural impacts that that movie had and as well as the impact that it had on their careers. Like, um, I mean, you know, I, I think, um, I, I know, um, Lee was already, you know, pretty popular up until that point. Um, I mean, hell, she took a pay cut to, to be in his movie. Right. But, you know, they, they both had pretty successful careers after this and, um, and they were just super stoked to, to kind of be a part of, you know, this this cultural you know horror landstone yeah uh, of course janet lee would go on to become one of the most famous scream queens uh, right and then of course her daughter would follow in those footsteps jamie right lee. Um, right you know anthony anthony perkins is a very interesting study after this film because he would go on i mean you hit the nail on the head it, not only did it typecast him like it just completely he became so synonymous with this character that he ended up doing three sequels. Right. Right. Um, starring as Norman Bates and all of them. And even directing um, uh, the third one, I think um, he was heavily involved in writing the fourth, which was made for TV, but he ultimately didn't direct it. I, I, I do believe he directed the third one. Hmm. Um, so it just kind of became like synonymous with him, hmm. um, which, which is interesting um, for a lot of reasons, but, you know, he, by all accounts, liked playing the character, and I'm sure he didn't make, uh, or I'm sure he made a not insignificant amount of money doing it. So, right. You know, if for no other reason, he liked it for that. But, um, you know, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This this changed his life. Yeah. Um, ha- have either of you seen any of the sequels? I have not. Like, yes. I, you have? I have. Are they anything to write home about? No. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not in comparison with the original. Right, right. I mean, I figured as much, or, or else naturally people would talk about them. Uh, yeah, you know, I I don't remember which one it was, Psycho 2 or Psycho 3, but in one of them, um, a good portion of the film is Norman talking to this, like, radio host. And um, he's talking to her on the phone, and um, it's just the weirdest thing, and it, it's like they it tries to be very stylized, and it you try it tries to get in your head, and you get in his head, and I just I couldn't I, I disliked both of the I disliked two and three, um, and I, I I they they can't compare, but I don't even even if they were I don't know given their own. Like even away from Psycho, I, I, I they can't hold up. Like so it, right. it's not like the Halloween sequels where the first one is amazing <laughs> and then the rest of them are like, okay, this is okay, and then they just get bad. Like they just immediately nosedive. Absolutely, a hundred percent. For me, uh, they yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see them. I mean the 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 newest Halloween movie. Like I thought that one was great. I mean it. Yes, uh, it, it still pales in comparison to the original of course, but, um, I, I thought it held its own pretty well. Yeah. I, I should have been clearer. 
I was talking more about like Halloween two, Halloween three, Halloween. Yes. Four. <laughs> <laughs> right. What is the third one? Like Year of the Witch or Year of the Witch? Yeah. 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 Which it had nothing to do with Michael Myers. Okay, but hear me out. If it weren't called Halloween, that's a pretty solid movie. Yeah. You think so? You no. Know, yeah. Yeah. Aspects of it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's interesting for sure. Um, it's a good concept. It's poorly yeah. executed. It's a good concept. It's poorly executed, and it shouldn't have been called Halloween. Right. Um, but other than that, I think it's a fairly solid '80s horror film. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It just doesn't belong with the rest of the franchise, and it's it it, it it's almost insulting that that's what they call it. So. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to throw Dom in at, in the post credit scene just to be like, yeah, it definitely ties in with the rest of the Fast <laughs> and Furious movie because here's Dom. I think that was one of those movies that they were like, this won't sell unless it has a franchise attached to it. Right. Right. right I agree. Yeah. Right. Because it would just like just cower in the shadow of fast and furious like when they tried to do need for speed like i mean they, they thought that they might get some points by throwing aaron paul in there but and he's never going to be a thing <laughs> he's not he's, he, he was very good as jesse that's what he's going to be i mean he has been in a lot of other stuff that you haven't watched but and just because you haven't watched it doesn't mean it's not popular <laughs> A lot of people love him in BoJack Horseman. I like BoJack Horseman, but my point is, if you ask the average person what he who he is, it's Jesse from Breaking Bad. Sure, okay, that's not a knock. I'm just saying he's tied to that character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, sorry. I. I I was. uh, I mispicked up on the point that you were trying to make. That's my bad. No. Um, But yeah. Um. Anyways, I don't know how we got from fucking uh, Psycho to Tokyo. No one knows. It's provocative. Uh, yeah, Gets the people I mean, going. Anthony Perkins, is, he's hes killer. He does so many little things in this film. Like I said, the, the subtle hesitation before he picks the the, the room where he's going to spy on her. Right. Yeah, that, um, that one made me kind of like do a double take almost. Because I it's one of those little things, like you said, that you just kind of forget about. Like, uh, and, and or you just kind of you, you notice like, wait, did. Did, did he do that? Like, did he really re- like almost reach for another key, but intentionally chose one over the other? Yeah. It's just one of those weird little things. Yeah. Um, when he's being interviewed, so to speak by Abergast and he starts out and he's very calm and cool. And then he starts, you know, getting his stories mixed up and he's got to try and cover his tracks. And right. Yeah. Um, Abergast starts realizing that there's more going on than, you know, uh, Bates is letting on. There's just so many good, good little performance ticks that, um, Anthony Perkins has in this that I, I feel like probably don't get as much credit as they should. Yeah. And, and, and I think, yeah. And Shauna, you'll probably agree with this. Like, I, I feel like that's just the, the aging of this movie, like, and the way that acting, uh, in those particular scenes was kind of done. Um, and sometimes not done, uh, you know, back in those days, uh, it just like, I was watching it, and I was like, I was trying to figure out if it was just me or if some uh, some of the the one on one performances were kind of like a little clunky, like they just felt not forced, but I just felt uh, ham fisted maybe. I, and I realized that that was just kind of like the acting style or part of the acting style back in the fifties and sixties, um, and so it's kind of something that I've kind of grown to appreciate. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that's why you kind of have to, it's, it's awesome to go back and to watch, rewatch movies like this, um, that are clearly from a different era and, or to watch them for the first time, but you just, you got to consider the time because, um, otherwise it, so many things get lost with our current culture. Um, you know, even the way that Anthony Perkins eats, whatever he's eating, like those nuts or something, he's like, so even the way he's eating the candy corn is, I mean, it's so, um, provocative. Well, it <laughs> is. it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it is, it's, it's creepy. It's weird. And, you know, so many times I, I've looked at, put myself in Marion Crane's shoes and thought, Hmm. I mean, would I have found this behavior odd? Would I have spent right. the night? You know, would I have decided to take a shower instead of I don't know being dirty for a night or whatever? You know, I mean, there are so many things. Would I have had a sandwich with the guy or sat down with his birds or whatever? And he just seems like such a nice, normal guy, and yet like such a creep. And Anthony Perkins is just like the perfect embodiment of both things. You know. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. That's uh, a perfect like, you know, analogy or comparison where you're just like, um, you know, you try and put yourself in that person's shoes and be like, okay, I'm not me, I'm this other person. What do you think I would do as this person? And yeah, it's uh I mean like I feel like part of you would almost be like a little relieved to be in this position. Like maybe he comes off a little creepy, but it's probably just, you know, that like homeschool kid innocence (laughs) where they didn't have a lot of social interaction. It was, and yes, I'm stereotyping, um, the, the whole homeschooling thing, obviously a lot of things have changed with that. So just as an aside, um, but yeah, like he, he definitely has the innocence where it kind of feels creepy, but it's, it's probably just that, that homegrown feeling. And, um, well, he's yeah. probably not experienced with women and he, right. you know, he lives with his, his mom and he's, you know, running this kind of off the beaten path motel. And that so obviously these- doesn't get very many guests. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, he could be 15, he could be 25. We don't know. You know, I mean, he has a good boy, like childlike innocence that you chalk it off as harmless. Um, but yet he's also very creepy. So yeah. Yeah, Yeah. He's like a proto nice guy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, what else? Uh, do we do we go over all the trivia? Um, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Shawnee, you kind of mentioned a little bit about the birds. Um, yeah. Do uh, you have in your your trivia like um, it, it, what what the the whole bird theme could possibly represent? You know, all these taxidermied um, birds. You know, the fact that it's in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. um, that's, um, you know, 
Uh, anyway, they're, they're your notes, so I'll, I'll let you explain. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, clearly Hitchcock has a thing with birds, um, mm-hmm. especially if you've seen The Birds. Yes. Um, which <laughs> I highly recommend. Also uh, a great movie, yeah. yeah. A fantastic movie. Um, might be my favorite over Psycho. I'm not sure. I, they're both a little bit different and equally that is a That is a hot take. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't think <laughs> I've ever heard that. I I feel very strongly about the birds. I think we should have another episode about it. Um, I think that would be that would be great. But so I I I pull from that movie too. Um, when and reference that movie when I think about Psycho as well. Um, just that strong bird theme. But you know, here's Norman, like who does taxidermy which you know is this like lost art i don't know maybe people still do it i'm not really sure um i think they do okay well they do all right they do and he does it with just birds you know which Mm -hmm. okay he he likes birds but there's that theme of birds um the bird throughout the film too and even i think of like an eagle eye or looking through the eyes of a hawk um we get to see I think some of those views that Hitchcock deliberately, some of those camera angles remind me of what I would see if I had eagle eyes or I did was looking at it through the eyes of a hawk or um, it, it just, it feels very um, like all knowing um, and all seeing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um because uh, I feel like birds are always there and always watching. So I feel like that's kind of part of it too. And then, of course, the more obvious things like Marion Crane, Crane, and like you mm-hmm. said, Dave, you know, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think there's definitely a strong bird theme. And, but I think that that was a very intentional, um, even, you know, referencing Hitch- Hitchcock's other movie, The Birds. So Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, I didn't realize that it could rain like that in Phoenix. You know, <laughs> she, she basically has to pull over to the motel because it's raining so hard, right? So well, like, she's not in Phoenix at that point. You know, she's. Oh, okay. I, I don't know if it. I don't know if it's explicitly named like where they are exactly, um, hmm. but I'm, I'm assuming it's somewhere along the California Arizona border. Okay, gotcha. Maybe a little further than that because she's already driven for a day, which Phoenix and Los Angeles aren't that far apart. I don't know why it takes her like a fucking weekend to get there. Right. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's basically a straight shot and it's what, like three or four hours maybe? It's longer than that. I've driven it. It's six hours on the highway on the interstate. So I can understand like it's going to take longer than that in a car in 1960 doing 40 miles an hour. But like three days really (laughs) right yeah it's um yeah yeah, but uh jokes aside i I think you hit the nail on the head shauna with the birds as a repeated motif or theme Mm -hmm. um he even mentions that marion eats like a bird yeah yeah right (laughs) yes yes um i totally I, i mean i i remember that line but i totally didn't even pick up on that relation holy shit yeah um and to me, it kind of plays into some of Hitchcock's other themes or larger themes that he would revisit throughout most of his career, um, particularly just isolation and duality. Mm-hmm. If you look at birds, they're free. 
you know, they fly around, they do whatever they want. All the characters in this movie are trapped in some way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Marion's trapped because she made the decision to steal the money. Norman is trapped because he's a psycho, essentially. <laughs> right. um, you know, it, it, the, all of the main characters are trapped in some way. They may not start out that way, like with Abergast, but he ends up that way, trapped right. and then murdered. Um, another interesting thing is you know, Norman stuffs birds and then says Marion eats like a bird, but then admits he doesn't know much about them when they're alive. Right. Right. Um, which, you know, again, Marion Crane, she going to die, basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 <clears throat> I, uh, so given that um, the autism diagnosis wasn't thrown around um, uh, or, or, you know, being given as um, often as it is today, as it was back then, I do believe it had been coined at the this this point in time you know by the 60s but uh Bates kind of like threw some 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 ASD flags um that that I I feel like I kind of picked up on like that that part like it's it's a pretty relatively common trait with uh, individuals with ASD to know a lot about one particular topic or like one facet of one topic but you ask them to like make a recommendation for something and then they like shut down like they don't know and then they like kind of get angry at you but it's like internalized anger at themselves that they don't know so yeah it it was just one of those weird things that i kind of like picked up on and of course that's just because i am you know i i've had my nose deep in you know autism awareness stuff lately but anyways that's just a quick aside well definitely i mean norman is so quick to uh change his behavior like and 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 that that's really scary and that kind of throws you off too because um he should just be subdued and shy and awkward and he shouldn't have like he, he shouldn't get upset at any of the characters and he shouldn't um, get defensive. I mean, it seems like out of character for him to exhibit some of those traits, um, yeah. you know, when, which he, he shows that side with several interactions with other characters in the movie. Um, and, um, so I, I think that is important to note that change in behavior, um, because it is very obvious. Yeah. I think the easiest one to point to is the first one with Marion, where the second she mentions sending his mother away, he changes. Yeah. He becomes yes. very belligerent and agitated. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and like what what's interesting is like I, I don't know if like if nursing homes and um what was the word that he he used like uh like oh. uh, an like asylum the, or, yeah or, it was something very very different than what we would consider a nursing home and so what i thought was interesting is that it seemed like the word that was going to come out of her mouth was like a home or nursing home um but when he tried to finish her sentence by saying you know whatever he did it was you know like we were saying it's 
the farthest from an, an actual nursing home. Like, you know, it's synonymous with like, you know, a nut house, you know, psychiatric hospital. Um, so yeah, that was just another weird thing that I was kind of like, yeah, that's, that's not what I was picturing. She was going to say. Yeah. I, I always wondered if that was a little bit of a nod to the fact that he had spent some time in a place like that. I, I feel that was my thought. Like that was my only explanation that I could come up with was that, you know, he had already spent some time. He seemed pretty familiar with it. And I mean, I don't want to say that that's like the concept of an asylum is so foreign to the average person that nobody would have known that, but just, it seems like a pretty deliberate way to frame it that he's got some intimate knowledge about it. And I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that in um, Psycho 2 two or 3, um, they do talk about Norman being in some sort of institution and how he's like ref- been reformed, um, mm-hmm. that he can't escape who he really is. Um, so this could have been, it, he could have already been in some sort of institution like that in psycho and I can't remember if they talk about it too much more in two or three, but um, I know that they do reference that he has been in an institution and right. You yeah. Know, that he's sure. reformed, so. Yeah. Well guys, um, I mean, we've, uh, we've talked about this movie for almost two hours. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, is, uh, is there any final thoughts, uh, that, that anyone wants to throw out? I mean, I'll, I'll throw out that, you know, first of all, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard or haven't watched psycho and you made it this far, like, okay, so we just spoiled the movie for you. So that sucks. Um, <laughs> but we gave you fair warning, but you should still see the fucking movie because Absolutely. Yeah. it is, it's a classic. Yeah. It is the definition um, of, of a classic classic horror movie. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it to, to anyone to, and everyone to go see at any age. <laughs> right. But <laughs> Shauna is her tales of speaking from experience, um, getting exposed to horror at a very early age always fascinates me. Like, it's always fun to hear her talk about it. Like, and that's actually a, a good um, plug or callback or, or whatever you want to call it to the first episode that she was on. Yeah. Um, like Ted said in the intro, it was appropriately, but I guess. Uh, I forget what you said, like boringly named horror movies. <laughs> yeah, it was just called horror movies with Sean White. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't need more than that, you know? No, yeah, but it, I, it, yeah. Well, I, I just want to say that um, my, when I had my first child, when I was pregnant with my first child, my mom said to me, whatever you do, please. Do not let your children watch <laughs> horror movies like your dad made you and your sister. And I was so offended by that because, <laughs> I mean, it made me who I am. And I have exactly. this appreciation that I may or may, I probably wouldn't have had. Um, so, you know, it's that's probably the one and only time my mom ever tried to tell me how to parent my children. Um, but I will never, never forget that. And, and I do occasionally try to force, 
certain movies on my my kids. Um, yes, as you should. As as is the healthy thing to do. So um, <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> no, nah, I I mean, and we've we've actually talked about that a little bit before in the past. I think on that particular episode, uh, yeah. the correlation between people that love the horror genre more than any other genre and the the relationship between that and how well adjusted they are just in general is, is a a very interesting concept. Um, I mean, I I think the three of us are uh, combined, have a pretty healthy dose of exposure to um, everything from horror, suspense, thriller, sci-fi action, um, everything on a very intense scale. Um, And to say that we're, you know, relatively well adjusted. You know, I think it's safe to say. Um, you know, I, I don't want to put words in Ted's mouth, but you know. But Ted is well adjusted. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I, I mean, like so. I said, I, I don't want to, you know, put words in his mouth or anything, but um, well, this is fine. Yeah, um, I just have one final thought on it, and then I'll, you know, turn the mic off and shut up because God knows I've talked too much already. But uh, <laughs> I, I, ultimately, I think what makes this movie effective is Hitchcock's ability to show this darkness that lurks kind of just behind or just within polite society. Um, basically, all the characters in this film are gross in some way or the other some some to a greater extent obviously but mm-hmm. um you know we see marion and and she's she ultimately or she immediately almost immediately steals a large sum of money um she and sam are sneaking around and having a sexual relationship outside of wedlock which again i'm not passing judgment but that's very scandalous to the time mm-hmm. yes um, much so her co-worker caroline has a purse full of fucking tranquilizers <laughs> God, yeah, when she, when she said that shit, I was like, "What did she just fucking say?" Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Damn, she's really just taking fucking ketamine, like it's the thing." To do. <laughs> right? She's like, "I got some quaaludes and ayahuasca in the break room." If right? You, if you you're interested, some gorilla biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> right? Y'all want to get get real fucked up and meet Jesus? Yeah, um, and then of course you know you have Norman, and, and, and right. he was a master of of things like this you know i mean we still talk about his movies um he's still revered uh, as a director you know he's been dead for 40 years and, and people still talk about him as as one of if not the greatest so um, yeah it's just it's just a fantastic film despite it being horrifying in a lot of different ways it's still it, it just it's a like i said it's a classic for a reason yeah yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and and you're right. It says so much about society. It um it's uh it's very much revel- relevant to um really any time, including today. Yeah, um, it does kind of have that timeless feel to it. It it really does. So um it, it's it's for all, for all for all the ages. So exactly yes. For all the ages and the viewers' ages, like expose your three-year-old to this business. Much like the Wu Tang Clan, Psycho is for the children. <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's a good place to to put a bow on it. Is just with a random Wu Tang reference, random but much needed. So thank you, good sir. Um. So like always, um. Congratulations if you have made it this far. Also, I'm very sorry. Um, 
If uh, you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, we would very much love you to do so. Um, that way you can stay up to date with uh, new episodes, typically every Wednesday. Sometimes we take a break, but typically they're every Wednesday. Um, we're on all the podcast apps, platforms, websites, what have you. Um, if there's a, a podcast platform, we're most likely on it. And yes, we are on Spotify and YouTube for the people that are curious. Uh, you can find us at geekgaragepodcast.com. Um, you leave a rating and review where applicable, I guess. There's not a whole lot of apps that let you leave ratings and reviews. But um, regardless, um, find us on social media. Like I said in the intro, we have our new fancy Facebook group where we have all kinds of interesting chats and conversations, discussions um, randomly throughout the week. I try and throw them out there when things get quiet. And I'm like, hey, let's, you know, uh, let's stir the, stir the shit pot, as they say, and see what we can what we can pull out of here. Um, so, yeah, definitely check us out on on Facebook. Um, if you're into participating in that. Um, but yeah, um, I, I guess I was about to do the cheesecake sign off line, but this is a movies episode. Ted, you want to hit us with the sign off line? Uh, yeah. Do the movies thing. Yes. There you go. Do the movies thing. Watch more movies because movies make life better. Yep. That's it. Yes. That is, that is the sub line that used to be the, the headline of the <laughs> sign off line, but then we switched it because for a while we couldn't remember. <laughs> I feel like we've explained this several times. And- yes, explaining the joke always makes it funnier. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you allowing us to waste two hours of your time knowing that you could do anything literally else uh, and have a great right. time at it. So thank you, as always, for joining yeah. us. And she's already left. So <laughs> she got out while the getting was good. No, 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 I'm still here. Oh, there you are. <laughs> we just heard radio silence, like no, like nothing. We're like, oh, she's dead. Are you? Were you laughing? No, I. I okay. don't know. <laughs> he was probably shocked that I said something nice. <laughs> I think that I think you're right there, buddy. Thank you, guys. I had an awesome time as usual, and I look forward well, to. Podcast is over. You don't have to listen to us anymore. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank, thank you so much for being on. Um, the the pleasure is is all ours, of course. Um, it's always fantastic and wonderful to have you on our horror themed episodes um, because we definitely consider you a an authority voice figure in in this genre. So we appreciate you. you taking the time to come on. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, And yeah, that'll do it. Do the movies thing. um, And we'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Bye.